Welcome to Mission Control, where we give you step-by-step instructions on how to take your e-commerce store to levels only a rocket can reach. Each episode, we'll be interviewing an expert in the e-commerce industry that is going to give you simple, actionable advice on how to attract new customers, retain them, and build a brand that you are proud of. This show is brought to you by the makers of Rocket Car, an e-commerce service and solutions company. All right, welcome to the next episode of Mission Control. I am your host, Alex Ivanov, and today I have a good friend of ours as our guest, CJ Oltman from Bannerwave. Thank you so much for joining, CJ. Super excited to have you. It's great to be here. Awesome, man. So tell us a little bit about you know where you're from, where you're calling in from, um, and what do you do? Sure. So I'm calling in from Chicago. Uh, I live actually right outside of the Chicago on the border of Forest Park, Oak Park, Oak Park area. So it's about uh, 15, 20 minutes west of the city. And um, I focus on doing interactive advertising and interactive experiences for brands. So um, that's essentially creating experiences that are intelligent, personalized, and allow the user to engage with them to you know, create a result that's specific and unique to them. Yeah, it's, it's very intuitive and unique, uh, to say the least. Um, just from seeing your work, we've definitely seen the, the very creative and unique nature of, of the work that you guys have done for pretty large brands, and we'll definitely get into that. So uh, I, I think a lot of people listening are going to see some, some value in the kind of new ways of thinking in terms of advertising that you guys have done for DTC brands. Uh, so just tell us a little bit about, before we get into that, like, tell us about your background. You know, you've been in design for... I think almost 15 years, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I graduated with a design degree. Uh, it's called Visual Communications from Northern Illinois University uh, out here in Illinois. It's in the DeKalb area. And um, from there, after graduating, you know, they teach everything that you can go into when it comes to design, such as, you know, branding, print, all those things. Obviously, during that time, you know, web was and digital was getting bigger. And that's obviously where a lot of the value and, and you know, the investment was. Um, for the industry. So that's where I kind of uh, went to and, and found, you know, my passion and absolutely loved, you know, bringing things to life, you know, having them come to life almost instantly, you know, when you're building and coding things rather than, you know, for, a, you know, something like a printer, you're doing some type of, you know, uh, production type of work or environmental work. It's, uh, you know, it takes a little bit longer to actually see your, your beautiful work come to life. So that's what found what got me so interested in doing digital and starting to create those experiences. It's funny that you use the term uh, bring to life because typically people think of bring to life. It's like, oh, I have an idea and it's, now it's on paper. But literally in the literal sense, you know, your ideas come to life in that a lot of the ads you guys run are very interactive and animated and feel lively, right? It feels like a different experience than a typical just seeing a static image or even a video. Uh, right. it, it's, it's, a, it's a unique, innovative mixture of everything um, and it has life behind it. So uh I'm sure when people, you know, check out your site and check out the work you guys have done, they'll know what we're talking about. But uh, let's let's get to the basics here. So, you know, for those listening, obviously, there's a wide variety of mediums and channels to advertise on and variety of campaign types, ad types, whatever, whatever you want to call it. What does BannerWave specialize in? We talked about a little bit and just tell everyone what exactly is a banner ad? Because I think that's, from my perspective, always been thrown around as this very vague term and people have never really understood it. It's, it's easy to say, oh, there's a Facebook ad or an Instagram ad or a YouTube ad or Google or email marketing ad, whatever. But banner ad could be used, I think, interchangeably. Is that correct? 
To uh, somewhat to a degree, I mean, really they're display, banner ads are display ads. And so when you hear about programmatic display or programmatic advertising, um, you know, that usually talks about display advertising. And those are the actual banners that you'll see on websites while you're browsing, things like that. So, um, you know, that's kind of what we focused in to start. And, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, it's, it's, you know, the banner and display advertising space has been plagued since the beginning because no one know, knew how to use it right and they abused it. And, you know, the market and the channel still hasn't recovered from that. So, you know, even today and me as a designer, you know, someone's just like when we started thinking about or seeing the opportunity in this market, you know, me as a designer, I was like, banner ads, you know, display ads, like this is beneath my skill level. This is beneath like anything that I would do. I want to be creating these beautiful websites and apps and things like that. But as we got more and more into the space, we saw, you know, how much failure there was, you know, throughout the years in the channel, and then also the opportunities to bring a lot more value to the channel, and how many brands and businesses were underutilizing their media, uh, both their media buy and their also their creative that they put into market for it. So, um, yeah, hopefully that's uh, that answers it a little bit. I know it was a no, it, little it's, bit. It's perfect. It actually yeah. leads right into my next question because you're talking about how you know things used to be and yeah. you know how things are now. And I, I had a similar experience from a user and consumer perspective with banner ads. I remember I was eight, nine, ten years old going on like, you know, addictinggames.com or you're just seeing banner ads for like the most random things, right? Everyone knows the early internet days, tabloids, products, like games. I mean, we still have some of it, you know, spam stuff, but right. just remembering that ad experience to be g genuinely awful. And, you know, a lot, a lot hasn't changed, but a lot <clears throat> has changed, you know, that was 20 years ago. So I guess aside from banner wave, you know, you know, putting their best foot forward to do some innovation here. What do you think has changed in the past 20 years with, with the level of innovation and creativity among banner ads? Yeah. So, you know, banner ads started out in flash, the uh, flash program. Yeah. And so, you know, that's actually where banner wave started. We saw the opportunity in 2015, all the browsers stopped supporting flash and we knew that the industry and brands advertisers were going to be scrambling to translate their flash ads into HTML5. So, Banner Wave was essentially just like, oh, we see this opportunity, let's corner the market and generate some business. Um, and it turns out that company ended up outperforming our current agency by three times the revenue in its first year. So very, very lucky timing and things like that. But what that led us into is we, we like I was saying, we saw how broken it was. You know, people didn't like banner advertising because it slowed down websites. It, you know, uh, uh, was distracting from what they were focused on, whether it was, you know, doing an action or finding information. Um, you know, that's why banner or ad blockers came out so that people can block these experiences. So because of the abuse and the poor practices that were used into creating these experiences or these banner ads, they just became a nuisance to, you know, the advertising industry and, and consumers. And, uh, and we're still dealing with that. And that's kind of what banner wave is doing is that we're trying to, we're utilizing banners to start because we're ahead of the technology right now. Banners and display ads are the only channel that we can provide an interactive or playable experience in the first step of the funnel. And so what's great about the, that is that you're able to provide that memorable experience, something more personal, interactive, and fun right in that first step to get them to converting, you know, by that second step. So you're not going down a, a larger funnel or taking, you know, different types of communications to find what they like. Um, so with that, that's something that is changing today. You'll see rich media ads now that are more 
you know, interactive, more, actually, I'm sorry. Can we go back to that question? Yeah, I was just asking, essentially, uh, and if you want, I can repeat. No, I was going to say, just phrase the whole question again, and then we'll go yeah. back into it. I, I got sure. off on the tangent. So I guess looking back at how awful of an experience it was, you know, 20 years ago in the days of the early internet, can you talk about what has changed with banner ads in the past, you know, 20 years? Sure. So banner ads had started out in flash programming, and that's kind of where BannerWave had started. Um, in 2015, all the browsers started stopped supporting flash, and uh, we knew that the market was going to be scrambling to get their flash ads into HTML5. And so through that process, um, we ended up seeing you know how underserved the market was and all the opportunities there. And that's where we started creating these more in-depth and unique experiences that enabled brands to connect with their consumers in a meaningful way. Yeah, that's, that's really awesome. It's exciting to hear. Uh, we've talked a lot, you know, before today uh, offline, and it sounds like just from talking to you, it sounds like it's really important to take that context of the platform and the placement where that banner is going, where that ad is going into consideration. Uh, when creating that idea or, you know, designing it and making that playable experience. And I've seen this, sure. especially with some of the bigger brands, you know, that you've worked on, um, GameStop comes to mind. Can you talk about that? Like what, what goes into that process? So, yeah, normally when we work with a the client, they come to us and we try to figure out, you know, we want to figure out what their goals and KPIs are for the campaign so we can make sure that we're going to create an experience that's going to support that. And then on top of that, too, we all, you know, normally ask if there's any type of market, you know, information that they're looking to get. So, for example, we had a client that was offering training and they had three different ways. They could do it, you know, in person, uh, they could do it on demand or they could do it, you know, online live. And so uh, with that, they wanted to figure out what types of learning or which way of learning that their customers were most interested in or their clients. And so we created an experience that allowed people to look at the different options and then go through that call to action to you know decide which type of learning they wanted to move forward with and so by creating that experience we're bringing that additional value to them um, by getting these insights that they can use across other marketing efforts now for a company like gamestop you know it was it was a little bit unique for them where they wanted to create an ad that they can show uh, the current products and sales based on the geolocation of the user so it would be an ad experience that could be used across all their different locations across the US. And so it's a single ad that uses dynamic content that pulls in different products, information and pricing based on the GameStop that you are nearest to. So, you know, providing people with value, relevant products and getting them to go in store or buy online. That's fascinating. So it seems like it's just the, the mindset here is let's provide as much value in terms of like a learning experience or an interactive experience so that it, that ad that you see on the side of, you know, yahoo.com or wherever you're going is not uh, so much distracting as it is valuable and interesting and, you know, worth clicking on and playing with. <laughs> is that right? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's something to the degree where like, you know, the banner ads that you see today, they're either a static ad or what we call, you know, storytelling animation, which the banner animates. It's a passive experience. And, you know, it just, then it just ends on the end frame. And the issue with those is that, users aren't seeing the whole experience of the whole communication of the banner. They're only going to see a little bit of it or, you know, what's shown at the end frame. So what we do is by providing interactive ads, they will play on their own if no one engages with them to show them the mechanics of the ad. But once they engage with the ad, they're actually able to 
you know, experience it and make it unique to their own needs. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, example of that would be, you know, say if you booked a, um, say if you booked a trip to Napa Valley or something like that, and, uh, instead of just getting random ads for different wineries that you might like to go to, maybe this ad comes up and it says, Hey, we noticed you're going to Napa Valley. Let's figure out your, you know, Napa, Napa traveler type or something like that, where you choose the different types of wines you like, different regions, things like that within the ad. And when you get to the landing page, it's already built you a tour guide for your Napa trip based on the information that you provided. So you get like a purely valuable experience and resource based out of almost a two-step uh, interaction. That's awesome. So there's really, this is a very creative thing that requires a lot of like end to end brainstorming here. It seems like a creativity generally doesn't really have that limit. So it seems like there's no limit to, you know, the things that you can do in terms of how to provide that value. Right. Well, right now our, our creativity is limited by the file size of display ads. So display ads have a file next. size <laughs> of 200 K and, um, you know, standard IAB standards. And so that's essentially, you know, what we have to work within. And that's the struggle. I mean, balancing that file weight is almost an art within itself. And that's what's made us so uh, dangerous in the advertising industry because we, you know, have hand coded these experiences to start and then built our own internal applications to streamline and uh, if make the building of these experiences more efficient. So now we're able to kind of build these at a much faster pace at a lower file size and get a lot more value of the ad. And so a lot of people right now are using, you know, third-party ad builders like Adobe Animate, Google Web Designer, you know, whatever that may be, they're creating these ads, but they're again, just static or they're animated storytelling ads because they're so bloated with file weight. There's nothing that you can do within them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it, I'm happy you brought this up because let's say I'm a, I'm a brand and I'm looking to run like some creative thing. I, I already have some success in advertising. My brand's starting to really take off, but I want to, I want to get creative with, you know, how people see me. I, I'm really care about my brand. You guys have done some really creative stuff for really big brands, you know, Coca-Cola, Nintendo, PetSmart, all these, we'd mentioned GameStop. And maybe I go to, you know, an ad designer and they say, you know, your idea is not going to work. Like, it's, you know, you're trying to do display ad and the file size is too small for that. Then they come to you and you say, oh, you know, we can make it work. Like we've done this in the past. How, what, do, how, what do you say to them? Like, how do you, how do you get them to see well, like, oh, you know, you can compress this, you know? It's interesting because it really, there is a balance between the creative and development of this experience. As a creative, you have to know what you can create that will be within 200K. And mm -hmm. so when we're using things like we want to use less imagery, maybe more SVGs or illustrations because they're a little bit less in file weight, um, looking at different ways that we can optimize them to, you know, so if someone has an experience and they say, hey, that's, and that's a lot of the time that happens, these brands will come to us. They're like, hey, we designed this ad. Can you guys build it out? And we're like, well, that's not going to fit in 200K. And it's just not a valuable ad because you're just animating, you know, it's a passive animation and you're telling them one thing rather than allowing them to, you know, make the banner about the user, put the user at the center of the experience. And so um, that's where I think it differentiates a us a little bit uh, because we do, it's almost like bringing humanity back in the advertising. You know, it's yeah. not just pushing products or services, you know, blatantly. It's doing it in a way that's putting the customer at the forefront and the ads being a servant to the consumer.
So um, by doing that, we're able to create and think of unique experiences that fit within that file size weight that are still valuable um, beyond what could be produced in the market, uh, you know, that's seen today. That's, uh, I, I'm a sports business guy, and this reminds me a lot of like general managers of, of sports teams trying to play within the cap space of, of the limits and then find people that are like, you know, you can pay them and get more value than what you're paying them, right? And, you know, put together the best team possible. Sounds like a lot like what you're doing with, you know, this file size space and trying to make something super innovative and valuable. It's funny. Yeah. Um, now, that's right. That's just right now because, you know, that's display ads. Again, I, I think I'd mentioned we're, you know, we're ahead of the technology. So right now, the display ad space, banner ads are the only space that we could or only channel that we can make paid channel that we can make these experiences happen. You know, social media advertising does not have that yet. None of the social platforms provide any type of interactivity within their ad experiences. You know, it's images, videos, or text. So as we move into next year and the coming years, we're likely going to be seeing these social media companies. And I mean, for sure, going to be seeing these social media companies coming out with playable or interactive ad experiences that you'll be able to experience it the right way within social advertising. And maybe that that you know resurgence of interactive and of that experience in a social media platform can help benefit you know display advertising and banner advertising because it's been so poorly managed and maintained yeah it changed the standard almost why now though like why you know, facebook for example has been around since 2004 and has been really running ads for probably 12 15 years why why would for example, Facebook just now be catching up to changing the experience. So I'd say for a social media platform, a lot of it has to do with privacy, um, especially when you're collecting this information or you know making it interactive. Certain brands, depending on what you're doing, I mean, that people are a lot more, you know, they're private about what they want to share, and so because of that, and you could see with you know obviously um, yeah. you know iOS updates and things like that, the GDPR, cookies, yeah, right. So we're seeing a lot of of you know loss in third party data and looking at how we can bring that back by creating first party data that we can utilize and through the interactions of an ad so i think you know for a facebook or you know any of those large social media platforms they had to get the advertising platform set first and the ad units and just to get that going the algorithms and stuff it's a lot to do so Doing passive experiences was probably, you know, phase one, enhancing how they are managed, how they're trafficked, all that stuff. But I think now that they've kind of reached the point where they need to push the creative, they need to push the value of the ads themselves within their platform, or it's going to get much like, you know, the banner ad industry was. It's just passive advertising, annoying, and people, you know, don't want that. And they're, especially when they're going to a social media site where they want to maybe... You know, it's their escape from, you know, work yeah. or life for a second where they get to catch up on friends, see what's going on all that good stuff. So do you say this with certainty, like, okay, this is definitely happening and they're already working on this and, you know, we just kind of have to make that assumption or is it kind of like a maybe still? Like, I'm trying to... No, they're, they are definitely, I, I'm positive that they are working on that, that they have uh, plans in place to launch, you know, some initiatives as we move into 2023, 2024. Mm -hmm. um it's just a matter of when that happens and um you know who's going to be who are going to be the first brands that actually start um you know investing in this new uh type of social media advertising sure 
And so in other words, back to your point about privacy and data, what you're saying in layman's terms is that in recent times, these platforms have had less data than they historically have. And so in order, in an attempt to kind of have more access at that first party data, or just getting more data on their users, you know, for like, we'll take your GameStop ad. I, I, for example, again, there was that slider of looking through the different games. Is it like, are you seeing a future where if you go through a, a banner ad and you're taking that slider and going through the different games, Facebook can collect data on like which game you stopped on and which game like you ended up clicking on, you know what I mean? Like more interaction data. Right. And I think that interaction and engagement data is what's going to be the most valuable because we're able, instead of trying to like track where people have come from, like, oh, okay, they went from Facebook yeah. to your website and we can attribute it back to this or they didn't buy it. And so we're going to annoy them again over here with the same ad or, you know, whatever that may be. It actually allows them to provide collect information in a valuable way that allows users to provide that information based on their interactions and engagements that they are doing themselves, not just something like you're watching someone, what they do, and then doing something based on their interactions. It's like, you know, I am, I've interacted with this. I've provided you my, my interests, you know, information, whatever that may be. And I'm expecting some sort of result based on that. And it's an, it's, it's kind of an expectation type of thing. It's, putting you in control of your information, how you engage rather than taking it from you. Yeah. Makes sense. Interesting. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, as a user and an advertiser, I think it's, it's super important that, you know, we're always innovating on the experience. I want to consumers deserve something better for sure. I agree for sure. Absolutely. We always do. (laughs) Uh, I want to, I want to talk about the market a little bit, you know, a lot of brands, I, I would assume most of the brands listening, in, in the masses probably don't think about banner ads as their first means of advertising. You know, it seems as if, especially lately, it's just, let's go to Google search and just overall Facebook or meta ads. Um, why do you think that is? I think because the banner ad space and display advertising has been so plagued, you know, since the yeah. beginning, because people use so many ad blockers, because you know, the trafficking of these ads and the way that, you know, even websites and publishers implement them into their website. It's, there's so many factors that can cause, you know, display advertising to kind of fall apart. And it starts with, you know, the creative and media teams, the traffic teams right in the beginning of the project, not being aligned or being siloed into their own departments. So, you know, all the way to, you know, how the ad is served and then, you know, how it shows up on the actual publisher's website. You know, there are so many intricacies to each of those moments that if one thing slips, the experience is bad. And um, I think because of that, there's a lot more consistency by using these social media ads and standardization um, that is keeping the integrity of the ads on the platform and also um, making sure to a degree that they are manageable. So, you know, you could say if you don't want to see this ad again, or if you see mm, less ads yeah. or posts like this. So they're trying to bring that, um, that value and, and, um, control to the user. So it's just, it's not there with display advertising. It's the you know, standardization. Too, too yeah. yeah. The whole okay. channel and needs a rehaul. Sure. Sure. 
and is I know are we only talking about Google because I know there's plenty of ways to run a display ad, but you know any any type of display programmatic display is basically you know Google you can run in the Google Display Ad Network and that's just running it through Google, or you can do more programmatic, which is you know it's Google Display and all these other publishers, all these other networks that you can be interacting with essentially. Um, so that's that allows you to basically have a lot more value and a lot more eyes um, and publishers that you can engage with. Yeah. Okay. And you're saying that that lack of standardization is kind of all across the board. It's all across the board, the way, you know, publishers and websites implement the ads to the ad, different ad types and, um, you know, requirements for each. So, yeah. Now, going back to the, the question about why more brands aren't doing this, do you also believe that there's some sense of, there's a factor of uh, false beliefs that, you know, based on all these common discussions around ad blockers and spam ads and stuff that they, they think like, Oh, it's not even worth my time. I don't want to get into that, you know? And then turns out like, you know, a conversation with CJ one, one away and like, Oh, you know, this is, we got something special here. We can actually do something with this. I think it's um, when we start showing it, how we approach these different, you know, advertisements and how we approach these different challenges that brands are having in terms of how to reach their markets. Um, and then coming up with the solutions that are more unique, you know, interactive, personalized, they start, it opens up a little bit more because they're now they start realizing, oh, we can't do that in Google search, you know, paid yeah. search advertising, paid social advertising. The display ad space is the only space that we can do it. And, you know, it's also making sure that you're trafficking, trafficking those experiences correctly to make sure that they are valuable and also getting the engagement that you um, that you want. So an example of that, <clears throat> Cruise and Rum came to us. Uh, they had like a banner, like find Cruise and Rum. And so they were basically trying to get people to purchase uh, their different you know, lines of rum or different rums in their, in their line. So we built a campaign that allowed people to see not only what they could create with it, like what type of cocktails can you create with the different lines of Cruise and Rums, um, but also kind of made it into a fun game. So it was a Plinko game. And basically, they drop the coin down and go to a cocktail and tell you how to make it. You can <laughs> play it again, or you can go to the website for more recipes. And then the cocktails would switch out every time. So instead of just saying, hey, buy some cruise and rum, you know, this was run, being run right before summer. So we're kind of nodding our hat, your head to, to summer vibes, being outside with your friends, playing, playing lawn games, <laughs> things like that. Yeah. So it's really getting that whole experience in there and getting people excited about summer and like, oh, I'm going to be planning this party. I look at this cocktail. It's great. I'm going to write this down in my book. I'm going to go grab some, you know, cruising rum so I can make this this weekend with my friends. That's awesome. So next summer you might want to create a version with a, a cornhole, just like you hit a <clears> hole <throat> and get a certain cocktail. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I love it. It could be angry bird style with the, uh, <laughs> you know, and the phone, but we're going to need those social networks to, to, you know, get on their game and start releasing those, uh, those new ad units. Yeah. Make it happen. Hey man, I mean, I'm sure we'll be having a, uh, we'll definitely have you back when that change <laughs> yeah. happens and we'll, we'll talk about what's possible on the other platforms and other placements. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, so as brands look at this whole, you know, decision of what to do in, in terms of getting their name out there, uh, we've talked about a few of them, but what, what are some of the other ones that we haven't mentioned in terms of advantages, disadvantages, pros and cons of banner versus other? <clears throat> well, I would say, um, you know, paid advertising is, is one thing, but I think when you're starting brand, a starting brand, you have to focus on organic too. And so I think content generation 
in parallel with paid advertising is critical for any brand to start. You have to start creating content, putting it out there to get people interested in your brand product service, and then um, get them to want to buy, allow you to be kind of a leader in the space and providing that information resource and value um, on whatever you know, you're selling. And then while you're doing that, you know, using paid media to be able because organic, you know, that takes time to be able to get up and get in front of people's eyes. So you want to get that started so that, you know, you can make headway on that. But paid media advertising allows you a way to get in front of some eyeballs much more easily uh, and faster than you would, you know, focusing on organic and kind of taking that, you know, slower route. So having, you know, both of those um, those pillars in your campaign are going to be really, really important. Um, and, you know, obviously starting, starting out with something like search because search is where people go to, you know, they're, they have, they're searching with intent. So they want to yeah. find information. They want to buy something. So search is always great from that perspective. And then utilizing, you know, social media, um, you know, display and, you know, other third party data that you can use based on interests, you know, where people work, their job titles, things like that to, be able to, or even geolocation, you know, whether like, say we've done things where, you know, an event is happening somewhere one weekend and it's around a similar, you know, uh, industry of our client. And we market around that event for those three, two or three days and, you know, bring in a, a nice group of, of new clients for them. So um, it just depends on, on the way that you target and your way of thinking about, you know, you don't just always go the standard route. Of just yeah. okay, my campaign's up. I'm going to do display, social search. That's it. You know, find your way to engage with people. You know, more uniquely. And um, even we were just talking. We know that you know you guys. Uh, you know, um, have some gym clients and, and and things like that. And so you know, we were talking about ways where we can get one of our clients' products out into your gym's hands and get people engaged. So you know, think about guerrilla marketing and things like that in ways yeah. that maybe you know not as you know, mainstream, but could be very effective based on how you do it. Let's pretend, you know, the, in the game of life and uh, do a simulation here. If you're if you're a direct-to-consumer brand, you just got started in the past year or so, uh, you have some traction, some organic sales, word of mouth, maybe, a, you know, a couple thousand social media followers, but you're really looking to scale it and you have some money to spend, maybe an investor, you know, knowing what you know, where do you get started with advertising and, and paid spend? So I guess it'd be figuring out again, you know, we always start with goals and KPI. We normally do like a con or a campaign brief to start. So we ask them a little bit about their business, about their goals and KPIs for the campaign, who their market market is, like what are the actions we want these users to take after they click the ads? Um, you know, what are the pains and challenges of these users? What are, you know, factual or emotional reasons that will make them want to buy or make them want to engage? So getting a download of all that information and then, you know, looking based on that, creating basically a tactical plan based on what they provided us to figure out what channels are going to be the best specifically for that brand. So it will depend on the brand, what they're selling, the industry, things like that. But um, essentially what we'll do is, you know, we, we suggest doing that digital campaign brief, getting that tactical plan put together. That also comes with projections on what you'll you know see in terms of estimated impressions, you know, uh, cost per click. Uh, clicks, things like that. So you can get a general idea of, of what you should expect, um, you know, based on the market value right now. And then, you know, putting that into market, actually creating the assets and the creatives, and then putting that into, into the media. Okay. And, and you're, you're looking at 
specific channels, specific strategies, or looking to test everything? You know, what's the direction there? So yeah, specific channels. Obviously, if you're starting and you need to generate awareness outside of your you know organic content generation. I would you know start with awareness campaigns and um, search campaigns. So sure. people searching, you know, obviously you know the intent there, and then also when they're on different platforms, say like social media, YouTube, things like that, and maybe they're more for fun or you know whatever that may be. Having that retargeting or remarketing, have that another different ad for you know this is a You've already engaged with an ad once or seen the ad once. So what should that second ad be in that, that, you know, consumer journey and how can we engage with them at that point? So making sure that you have kind of steps and tours, what, where your consumers are at that point, what they know about the brand and how we can, how can we engage them even further at that point? Okay. Now let's say you're at one to 3 million a year and you're starting to get a lot of traction and it's time to start brand building, getting unique and really finding that, that creative, that unique creative differentiator between competition, you know, other products in the market, whatever, what's the strategy now? So, you know, normally in something like that, that's where you start having more money to be able to do more interactive ads, like what we're talking about and, um, and interactive, you know, experiences overall. And that goes from the ad experience all the way to the landing page. Um, so really having that immersive, you know, engaging experience that allows you to create an ad that, you know, has value, whether that's, you know, a gamified experience, it's personalized, intelligent that brings you to a landing page or a web experience that allows you to collect more information so that you can start, you know, doing this, you know, better segmentation. You can start doing, um, you know, more personalized ads, uh, different things like that. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. It's, it's, you're really digging deep here. You're going very narrow with your brand ideas and, and, you know, educating the, the consumer. Does anything change when you get to 10 million a year, eight figures a year? Well, that's when you can start being more of the visionary or, or you know, innovator. And, and you know, I, at that point, I would suggest in, in, you know, some in what we do with a lot of our clients is, you know, look what's being done in the market right now. Where are the gaps? How can we engage with consumers in a different way that makes them feel important and valued and, you know, all of that. So really doing a deep dive into the market, what's been done and how we can engage those consumers um, or target market in a way that's um, valuable and meaningful. Fair enough. I think it's super helpful for, you know, anyone in regardless of their status. Yeah. It's Uh, easy to talk about a high level. Obviously, once you have a brand and have a market, then you can start getting more into the nitty gritty on, you know, where the gaps lie, challenges, opportunities, things like that. So... Yeah. I want to talk about you specifically and as well as your team um, from a, you know, from a creative standpoint and you guys are so good at what you do. What's the secret sauce? Like, do you, do you guys use certain uh, tools? Do you have a certain way of coming up with, coming up with ideas and then building them? You know, what, what are those things that are just like indispensable to your job? We do have a process for coming up with ideas and, and, and putting them together um, in terms of how we approach a product, look at the market, come up with these, you know, uh, more interactive type of, of ideas. Um, but a lot of the things, too, and I, I think I've mentioned this before, is we've actually built a lot of our own internal tools. So uh, outside of doing, you know, advertising, interactive experiences, web, things like that, 
uh, we actually build our own apps and, and all that. So uh, we built them for ourselves. We will be, you know, eventually re you know, releasing some of these to the market to be able to help advertisers and marketers, um, you know, well, advance the, the industry as a whole. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We sure will. So, um, but, you know, outside of that, it's just the general stuff. I mean, project management systems, obviously indispensable. Yeah. We personally use Monday.com. Um, you know, anything that helps you streamline what you want to do, you know, CRMs that can send out, you know, drip campaigns and, you know, keep your, you know, prospects aligned so that you can stay on top of everything. Um, easy proposal software for digital signatures, you know, the standard stuff, but anything yeah. that's more unique that we need that doesn't have a quality product out there or a product that's priced in a way that's valuable for what we need, then we'll just, you know, build it on our own. Really? So, that's awesome. Um, yeah, it's it's nice to have that uh, have that ability, and um, it, it it just kind of goes hand in hand in you know building products and apps for you know the services that we provide, and then you know seeing the bigger picture of how it can help advance the market um, in industry as a whole. Yeah, so you're the one of the few companies that are are not bullshitting when you say, hey, we have our own proprietary system or software, <laughs> or you know, you're actually genuinely telling the truth. <laughs> You, you're damn right. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, What's it. the biggest challenge with Bannerway right now? I know we talked about the changing landscape of the market and the, you know, the market, the ad tech, right? But what's, what are you guys yes. facing now? Well, I mean, the history, you know, like we were talking about the history of, yeah. of, of display advertising, you know, the, uh, the, you know, just plague channel, um, getting, changing the perception of that changing, you know, essentially how that entire channel is going to work and grow and, and engage. Um, but also, you know, not being, you know, being ahead of the technology, not having those opportunities on social platforms, you know, uh, connected TV, other things like that, um, which we are seeing those come more into market. Um, and then to just the, the education as a whole, a lot of people just don't know about this stuff. And so yeah. as soon as we get on calls, you know, when people hear display ads and, and things like that, initially they're just like, ah, I, I know what the market is, or I know what we can do in that space. And aren't really impressed and I don't blame them because, you know, like I said, when I got into this, I was like, banner banners are beneath my, you know, <laughs> the quality of work that I want to do. But sure. once we get on the phone and once we show them what we can do in their market and, and with their product or service, you know, you see the light, you know, the eyes widen, the light, light goes off and it's, you know, it, it changes the game for them. So yeah, man, um, send them this podcast. I'm sure they're going to have more education now. They're going to be way more educated absolutely. after listening to this. <laughs> I'm already learning a, a ton. Um, without giving too much away and respecting confidentiality, could you talk about your big biggest success with a banner campaign for, for a brand or like one of your biggest successes? Yeah. So for, um, uh, yeah, so what, what we'll do is we'll, we'll say it was for a beverage company. Um, a, a larger beverage company with different brands and things under it. Uh, we did a uh, campaign for them um, that helped them personalize uh, labels for a, uh, to create your own like bottle essentially. Okay. Um, so you'd be able to create your own personalized label. And uh, that was by far one of our most successful campaigns, um, you know, rate rose the engagement rate by over, you know, I think it was like 500, 400, 500% and click through rate. Uh, wow probably by over 1300%. So, wow. Um, incredibly, you know, valuable campaign. And again, it's just showing that and providing that experience right within the ad. So they don't have to leave where they're going or what they're doing to get that value because then you're yeah. missing that opportunity. 
You're and just so the like, here's a flashy thing. Yeah. You see the you see the ad and you're you maybe a water bottle and it's like has the the paper on it and what you could like type in your name and it would kind of like dynamically place it or how did that work? So it would be something that it was a more complex label, but you can start it within the ad and then you continue it on the website. Um, okay. So it was actually something that they would be printed out and put on your own bottle. Um, so you have like your own personalized special, you know, I got you. bourbon. Cool. Okay, Basically. cool. That's interesting. Yeah. Nice. Uh, another one was a, a campaign we did for Spalding and the NBA. It was a. It was actually called the Nickname Generator, where we served up uh, three of sixteen uh, questions. So three random questions out of sixteen, based on what this. they choose. Yeah, in each of those three questions, it'll generate them a random nickname. So this was for a True Believers campaign, um, talking about just how you know, uh, you know, just coming down, being coming from nothing and and being one of the greats and. Um, you know, all the inspiration kind of behind that. And so what you do is you answer these three questions and it generates one of 2,100 different nicknames, allows you to share it across social media, things like that. So it was a campaign that just kind of compounded and, and you know, really expanded um, with that social integration. I'm sure very, you know, so, something like that, like someone might hear that and say like, oh, it's kind of cheesy, but you obviously to get the returns that you did, it must have aligned very well with the community of the NBA and the fandom, right? To say like, oh, I'm so proud that I'm going to share this and it goes viral. Like that's, you guys must have done an amazing right. job with that. Sounds like it's, it was really cool. It's just fun to like generate your own nickname and, and, and share it on social media. And, you know, it's, it's you know, people can easily go through it multiple times and it, it really got people you know excited and engaged um, and got them into all the other resources, you know, all the, all the different um, products that they can buy. And then also, they had different video training modules and things like that to dig into. So it was a much larger, uh, complex project. Yeah, that's awesome. So honestly, man, you know, you've been in the game longer than most people listening to this, and it obviously shows how well you carry yourself. What do you wish that you knew when you first started? Well, definitely, I'd say it took me a longer time to actually find and get, you know, an advisor or a mentor. And I think for me, you know, I, I worked for an agency for a year out of college and then went off on my own. I think that I maybe would have stayed in house at agencies for a little bit longer, just to be able to get more connections, um, be able to understand some of the processes better, things like that, because going off on my own so early, it was, you know, while it was good in some ways, because I was doing things a little bit differently and, 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 you know, non-conventional, um, that worked, but it also, there's a lot of things, a lot of nuances within the agency workplace and life that would have been helpful to experience and know that, you know, I would have to, you know, learn along the way, those yeah. types of things. And then from a, a advisor perspective or a mentor perspective, it's being able to have someone who's been in the field and gone through these experience and be able to, you know, someone you can go to and, and can help, you know, bring other ideas to the table and help you kind of, you know, brainstorm and, and, you know, be your backboard for um, different things, you know, that you want to do with yourself, you know, personal development, professional development, all that good stuff. So um, I think having a mentor or having some sort of advisor is, is a critical piece to growing both personally and professionally. Uh, I not only really agree with that, I totally relate to it. I, I have mainly worked in small companies before I was on my own uh, and t until, you know, now, and, and it's, hard to from a management perspective and from a knowledge perspective know what it takes to be great and to be successful and 
the best yeah. way to learn is to kind of get your feet wet with those that have already done it. And, you know, whether it's through a mentor or I tell people all the time, I've been saying this since I was probably in junior year of college doing internships that, oh, I really wish I could work at Google for a day, just, just a day. Or I wish right. that I yeah. could work at like a big, you know, successful like GE or whatever Apple of the world for literally a day. And I know I would be retained so much that I just don't know about how a, a big successful company works. And it's, it's not just like, oh, you know, what is the work like? It's, you know, what are the tools that they're using? What is the systems? How are they built? How, what is the culture? Like, how do people conduct themselves in certain conversations and hold each other accountable? Like, that's the stuff that is very hard to learn unless you like see it yourself, um, or right. you make the mistakes and then learn from that. So you know, just going back to the original, I definitely re relate to that. I, I think that getting a mentor that has done that or seen that can advance you so much quicker in my opinion. Absolutely. Um, yep. Yeah. I should have done it years and years ago, but you know, tell those, those young advertising and marketing professionals out there, get yourself a mentor or advisor. Yeah. You will, you will thank yourself. Yeah. If you're a brand, like find advice from a bigger brand, maybe not a competitor, exactly. but you know, someone right. that's, uh, you know, able to shed light. I mean, and the CEO and peer, you know, CMO groups and, and, and all those yeah. different things, you know, just sharing, you know, any type of, of, you know, opportunity or, or, or group um, organization like that is always valuable too, just to share and, you know, have people within your own, you know, field within your own space or position and be able to talk about the challenges, you know, wins, opportunities and, and, you know, how you can help each other. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's funny, this leads into our, our final question uh, that we always do with, with everyone on the show as a guest. If you could sit in a room with any mentor, dead or alive, every every morning to start your day and give you advice as you go through you know life's challenges, who would they be? Oh, uh, that's a tough question. Um, you know, I, I the first person that comes to mind is my grandfather, just because you know he uh, you know he he kind of was one of the people that came from nothing. He was he lived on Taylor Street in, in Little Italy here in, in Chicago. Um, you know, met my grandma out, out there. My, my grandma's parents didn't even want her to marry him because his family was so poor. And, you know, and so, I mean, they used to have like animals and corn stalks in their yard and like their whole garden basically to feed themselves. Yeah. And, um, you know, over time, he, he became a very successful carpenter, um, managed teams and, you know, retired, you know, with a lot of love and, and, you know, a great life. And so I just look at him and his success and, just that balance and quality of life that he had along the way, you know, the happiness and quality of life. And I think that's something that can be lost today with how stressful yeah. and, and all the demand of things. Um, so he's taught me a lot through, you know, out my, out my life. And then, you know, I'd love to look, I mean, I know we're working with big corporate brands and things like that now, but you know, my main goal in the future is to figure out, you know, what can we do, you know, for more social type of impact. And so, you know, maybe putting, getting in a room with someone like Bill Gates or people who have kind of moved from more of a, you know, corporate type of mentality to looking at, or how you can take that, you know, the success of what you've done with the corporate and reinvest it into doing social good. So um, I'm really interested in learning from that transition and, you know, ways that we can kind of build, um, like every business I think should be doing is, is really giving back and, and, you know, giving back to what you're bringing in, um, to society and, and, and to humanity. Yeah. I love that answer. I'm sure that's, I don't think we've gotten that answer yet. I'm sure you could probably 
go to that one pledge that a bunch of those billionaires signed, like the Warren Buffetts and Bill Gates saying that they're going to donate, I think it's 90% or 99% of their wealth or whatever. I mean, that's a lot of those names are going to fit in that category that you just described. So uh, awesome. I love it. I love that answer. So uh, CJ, it's been a, it's been a pleasure to have you and, you know, I've learned so much and I'm sure people listening have, where can they learn more from you? How can they follow you and follow BannerWave? Yeah. So you can uh, reach out to me at CJ at bannerwave.com. That's just B-A-N-N-E-R-W-A-V-E. Um, I'm also happy to um, offer, you know, if there's any brands or businesses out there that are interested and, you know, want to talk to BannerWave about, um, you know, maybe an audit and opportunities based on what they're currently doing. Uh, we are happy to offer, you know, uh, a free um, audit and opportunity service to the first three people uh, that contact us or email me and, um, you know, mention this podcast name in the subject line. Nice. Awesome. I'm excited for them. Do you, uh, do you have any social pages for you or, or BannerWave that you want people to follow? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just at BannerWave on, on all the different platforms. If you go on Twitter, Instagram, things like that. Um, and then, uh, you know, Facebook as well. You just find our Facebook page. But yeah, it's awesome. just look for BannerWave on the, the typical platforms and you'll find us. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, we'll put the links in as well. Uh, awesome. CJ, it's it's been a pleasure, man. I've, I've learned so much today. Um, I know that you guys are well equipped to, to handle the changing landscape of, of ad tech and banner media. And uh, it's going to be really exciting. Like I said, I can't wait to have you back in however long it takes to, to see you know real change start to happen among the, the main platforms and uh, talk about it again, because it's, it's, this is always fun. It's ever changing game. This is why people work with marketers that are dedicated to this. And, and hopefully sooner than later, you know? Yeah. Hopefully. Absolutely. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you. And uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for everyone for listening. Um, go check out CJ. Go check out us as well at GoRocketCart.com. Uh, you can listen to this podcast if you go to our podcast page and all the other episodes. And thanks for tuning in. See you next time. Uh-huh.